Freak Nation, his name is Travis Pastrana. As I said, more Instagram followers than IndyCar, NHRA, and NASCAR combined. Travis, I, my first memory of meeting you was, uh, again, probably when you were 16, 17 years old. I was on, we had a foursome, and I was part of your foursome. It was, I think, prior to the Anaheim race and the Chaparral appearance later that night. I was playing golf with a guy that uh, couldn't play golf worth the crap. That was Travis Okay, that was me. Both of us could play golf worth the crap. But well, I take no offense to that comment. <laughs> <laughs> but we were playing golf, and I, I really had no idea who you were at the time. And then, holy smokes, I see you on a bike, and I think it was 125s at the time, number 199 at, at Anaheim. And I thought, man, this kid's pretty special. But the one thing that, that I realized was so special about you was that the Chaparral appearance, you stuck around and signed every freaking autograph of every kid that was there after all the riders left. Was that something instilled in you early on because you were one of those kids way back when looking up at your idol? Well, I guess sadly or happily, however you look at it, I'm still one of those kids. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of the sport. And I, I feel like at the end of the day, everybody, um, they're like, man, you're always so happy. You're always that. I'm like, dude, if I'm at a track, if I'm on a motorcycle, if I'm talking about racing, I'm pumped. I mean, that's, it's what I live for. And, you know, I was very lucky to be one of the few, uh, you know, kids that my reality never set in. And all my friends were like, I want to be a dirt bike racer. I want to be a supercross racer. I want to drive monster jam. I want to, um, you know, <laughs> try a top fuel car or wh whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> I I've been living this dream and somehow, uh, the wheels haven't fallen off too bad. What's something that you want to do in motorsports that you haven't done yet? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, I've, you know, every time I think I really want to do something, I, I get there. Like uh, my first time, my buddy, I had basically bought a monster truck uh, with, with Feld or had it on the, the program with Nitro Circus. And my friend Cam McQueen, who always wanted to be a monster truck driver, um, <laughs> he, uh, he qualified the truck, went to world finals, and I kicked him out. I said, my truck. So my first ever time at a monster truck event was at world finals in Las Vegas. And it's one of those careful what you ask for things. And I'm looking, I'm like, wow, a double bus stack is actually two buses stacked on top of each other. It looks so much smaller. You know, when you're looking down, I'm like, come on, sissies, hit the jump. I'm down there like, whoa, this is this is a horrible, horrible idea. Um, recently, I really wanted to get in a top fuel drag car. I'd never actually seen one. Always wanted to go to the, um, the four wides in Charlotte. So I show up in Charlotte. Tony Stewart goes out of his way because I was getting in that night from a boat race that I was doing and he heard I was going to show up on Monday. He postpones his flight. He meets me at the airport at midnight and he's going over the procedure in a top fuel car. Tony Stewart. <laughs> like, I'm not especially close with Tony. He just really didn't want to see me die, I think. He's like, he's real bad for our sport. Uh, so he was there until 2 a.m. going over procedure. And at that point, when he said it's the scariest thing I've ever done, I thought, I done messed up. I should have done more <laughs> homework on this. So from that point on, I've been a lot more particular about what I asked for. Travis Pastrana joining us here in the Freak Nation. Do you wake up and think, what can I do today that's so effed up that's going to garner attention? You're running out of daredevil type things, Pastrana, aren't you? No, I'm running out of body parts that work. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Everyone says with Nitro Circus, they're like, how do you come up with these ideas? Or how do you get all the guys and girls to do all the crazy shenanigans? I'm like, the hardest part is trying to keep all the crazy ideas from happening and trying to keep 
everyone in one piece throughout an entire tour because it's so much fun for us to be able to live this video game, except there's no reset button, uh, which is uh, becomes problematic. So my job is actually to figure out how to have the most fun, go the biggest, do stuff that's never been done before, um, have a smile on my face all day and do it in a way that we can continue to replicate it. Um, so we did a, a show called Life Size Toys on a network that was it lasted for about a month called Quibi. And they convinced me it was a build show. And I had a bunch of friends that love building stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, all you got to do is just talk about it. And then there I was getting launched off a catapult, getting knocked out, and then uh, strapped myself like Wiley Coyote to a, a rocket that uh, some some guys from NASA had built. And I'm like, what? this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> Travis, you kind of implied that you had some heroes when you were growing up, like the little kids that looked up to you. Who were those heroes that got Travis Mastrana turned on to motorsports? Um, well, motorsports and action sports in general. I mean, some of my first heroes were Guy Airtime Cooper. I just loved that that guy. He was doing the biggest jumps, sending the biggest whips, and he always seemed to just love riding his motorcycle. And he got passed on the last lap at three different um, supercrosses, like 250 supercrosses. He was factory rider. Um, you know, amazing, amazing athlete, but he never won a 2D Supercross main event, something that I eventually uh, came in common with, with my uh, my hero, Guy Cooper. Um, we just went out there, and I always loved that. didn't matter if he, as long as he put in a good race and tried hard, he was just stoked to be riding his dirt bike. Um, Doug Henry, you know, he goes out, uh, Henry Hill, they call it at Bud's Creek, launches too big, gets a whiskey throttle, as we call it, just grabs a handful of throttle because he's got arm pump probably end of the race going for the win uh breaks his back and on his way out he's giving two thumbs up to the crowd just yelling i'll be back i'll be back um you know and these are the guys that i looked up to the most uh, along with uh action sports icons like matt hoffman um you know this is someone that was doing the sport before there was any money before there was anything involved how did the dominoes fall to get you from action sports into nascar a uh, lot of dominoes. So <laughs> starting out with uh, with injuries, um, I was lucky enough to sign on with uh, No Fear and, uh, and Spy Goggles, uh, who uh, worked closely with Boris Said uh, and a bunch of the NASCAR guys. Um, so we'd always go go-karting every day after Supercross because they have, you know, Anaheim 1, Anaheim 2, Anaheim 3, San Diego. Um, we ended up staying out in, you know, kind of that Southern California area. Uh, so our day off, we would go go-karting at, uh, at No Fear. Uh, when I was like, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and I was hurt a lot. So every time I was hurt, I could usually get on a go-kart uh, before I could get on, um, you know, get back on the dirt bike. And when I was 17, I was able to go jump in a WRC car because Alpine Stars, which was my sponsor, um, also sponsored the Subaru World Rally Car Team. And that year, Richard Burns on Subaru won the World Championship, WRC Championship, and I got to go over after uh, after the our championship was done. Got to drive a factory WRC Subaru, uh, Subaru uh, which was like seven hundred fifty thousand dollar car at, at seventeen years old, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then, kind of, just every time I was hurt, I'd get into to doing more rally, doing more driving, doing more karting, and uh, the four wheel stuff was something that I was really passionate about. And because I was hurt a lot, I got to do it quite often. Whoa. Wow. So then fast forward, you were just talking about when you were 17. So 22 some odd years ago, 
Fast forward to 2023 and you're taking the family huckster, you're taking a Subaru up the hill at Goodwood. I mean, wow, (laughs) you never thought that would be a part of your future, did you? No, I was very fortunate to be surrounded with great people. And uh, my dad and mom, uh, you know, mom was big into education and making sure that I was, um, you know, could graduate as she's always like, this is never going to work as a career. And dad said the same thing. So, you know, just make sure you got something to fall back on. Uh, so ride it till the wheels fall off. Um, but going back to that, that beginning, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I was doing motocross until I was really hurt and I was tired of being hurt and I loved competition. So I got into cars and was able to, um, you know, find the Vermont sports car crew that I had the same, my number one on my, uh, crew at 2003 is still, um, my number one, like my main mechanic, uh, right now, um, for, for rally. So, you know, we had this really tight crew and even, you know, the guys like Roger DeCoster who worked for Suzuki, everyone's like, why'd you switch to KTM? Like, cause DeCoster did and, and Ian did, and you know, a lot of that crew. So we developed great relationships and I had the opportunity, um, you know, after Nitro Circus was going and all the friends and everything's in the U S um, to go WRC, which I really wanted to do, you know, kind of 2006, 2007. Um, but at that point I said, well, what can I do this in the States? And what can I do to challenge myself? And uh, through contacts through Jimmy Johnson and some of the NASCAR guys that had raced motocross um, kind of started looking there and got a hold of uh, Trevor Bain. And um, all of a sudden we're, we're racing NASCAR and yeah, I wasn't very good at it. I'm not good at rear wheel drive. I'm not good at pavement. I'm not good at any sport that you can't win on uh, taking bigger risks than everybody else. And, you know, then we met up with Ken Block and he just wanted to have fun in a car. And all of a sudden he built this whole legacy just sliding and having fun and building awesome builds and doing things in places with his kind of business experience, um, you know, to not necessarily say, Hey, I'm the best driver in the world, but to say, Hey, I'm going to have as much fun as possible with the coolest cars ever in the most epic locations. And we were able to start this kind of side thing with nitro circus and him with Hoonigan and everything. And, you know, now we're building 1983 Subaru wagons with working eight tracks going up and we split um team mclaren mclaren first 1983 subaru wagon second mclaren third porsche fourth porsche fifth ferrari sixth you know i mean how cool is that yeah travis pastrana joining us here in the freak nation and travis we had evil could on the show many 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 years ago when we we ran the uh, interview with uh, evil can for our 23rd anniversary. And we ran that the last time after you set the evil Knievel record there at uh, Caesar's palace. Give me your thoughts on a dude like evil Knievel who did not have the luxuries of suspension, uh, chiropractic work of the, of the new millennial. What's your view of what evil Knievel did on a bike? Um, so what evil Knievel did, was less impressive what he did on a bike as to what he was able to accomplish um, to show the world that you could fly a motorcycle, to show the world what what was um, not only what was possible, um, but he was able to. He was a showman, yep. so he took um, uh, mediocre motorcycle skills, <laughs> not to be that guy, um, and guts uh, galore, and just this passion. Uh, to to try to to wow the world, and he was someone that if he ever said he was going to do something, he backed it up. And I feel like that's something that a lot of like my my parents, for example, could really relate to. That they said, "Look, Evil Knievel went to uh, 
you know, went over to London and he was going to do a jump and he's told everyone, he's like, Hey, my bike's not fast enough. I can't make this jump, but y'all paid for a ticket. So I'm going to send it and see what happens. And okay. Some people would call that absolutely stupid, but for me, that's how I was, I was brought up. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And there were certain core values of what evil Knievel did and how he went about doing stuff that were really good. And certain ones that were were probably the opposite of really good. Um, (laughs) But to be able to, to transcend and to start an entire action sports, just to start um, jumping motorcycles, to start a, a whole, you know, what now is Olympic sports um, by following your passion and being, uh, being able to sell it, I think was, was really cool. You just referenced Ken Block when we were talking a little bit about Goodwood. That, that was Ken Block, right? Without a doubt. Um, so Ken was, came from a really unique background. He absolutely loved snowboarding. He loved motocross. Uh, he loved, you know, skating. He loved driving cars. And like every other redneck American, Ken was 100% convinced that he was the best driver on the face of the earth. Mm. And um, in 2006, no, sorry, 2000, whatever, 2003, something like that, um, I was sponsored at the time by Alpine Stars and Puma. Puma paid a lot of money. Alpine Stars well, didn't pay anything, but they were made the best stuff, the best boots, the best everything. And I had uh, friendship with Gabrielle, who ran Alpine Stars, and uh, they got me my first drive in a car, and, and I was never going to leave Alpine Stars. So Puma put it on the table. They said, you either have to pick Alpine Stars or us, thinking I'd obviously go with Puma. And I said, nope. Um, so this was a week before X Games, and I went to Ken Block. I said, I don't have a shoe sponsor um, now. And he said, well, I'll make you a deal. I will sponsor you. But you have to take me because I'm not wanting any giveaways. He goes, you know, I just sold, you know, a per- percentage of DC shoes for enough money that I can pay for whatever I need to do. And he goes, I want to drive cars. I want to race cars. I want to be the best rally driver of all time. Uh, introduced me to the Vermont Sports Car Crew, and he went, paid his own way, hired the best coaches, um, drove more than almost any factory driver, and he became within two years probably the best driver in the U S as far as rally was concerned. And it was a really impressive going from a guy with money that people didn't know had so much background in sport and was such a good athlete. and was such, um, not only a pioneer, um, you know, of wanting to be an athlete, but a pioneer of, of how to market. And he went and invested him in himself and did ex- followed his heart exactly where he wanted to go and started a car culture that's unlike anything that I think has ever been created before and, and maybe ever after. They talk about Ken changing the uh, landscape in motorsports. You've done some of that. Do you feel that? Do you understand that? Or do you think that's uh, overhype that you helped put action sports on an entirely different map? I was very fortunate, like I said earlier, to be surrounded by some very great people that that led me in the in the good direction starting from my parents um to a lot of my sponsors and my parents give me the the freedom to follow my heart um i feel like at the end of the day if you're passionate about something you can make it work and luckily when we got into rally ken block was very passionate about rally and you know he was able to kind of help orchestrate x games picking up rally as a sport which kind of blew it up um you know and we were able to get sponsors and really start doing that for a living Um, you know, and then with Jim Kana and then with Nitro Circus and basically all the stuff that we were doing to have fun, um, started kind of becoming bigger than the sports themselves, you know, call it lucky skill, whatever. Um, but I was able to get a lot of seat time. So I've never claimed to be the best driver. Um, 
but I have enough seat time and enough passionate that, you know, I've been able to take that, what I've learned in motocross and make it work on the four wheels with the, the different injuries and that kind of stuff. Um, having said that, my goal is not necessarily to be the best driver or to start all these things or to change anything that's going on, but like X games or the Olympics, that's about being perfect. Hmm. Nitro world games is about doing stuff that's never been done. It's about being bigger, being crazier, being, you know, and, and even safer working on landings to make sure that we can, you know, myself, my friends, my, the next generation is able to get up and walk after this, you know, having a big crash uh, with the airbag landings and that kind of stuff. Um, but my goal in racing is to continue to have fun. And what I've learned with showmanship through Nitro Circus is that if the athletes are having fun and they're passionate, that the crowd follows and that they understand what's going on. So when I was racing NASCAR, I stopped having fun. I was so focused on my results that like literally I spent, I got uh, 10th place at, at Daytona in what was nationwide at the time. And I was spinning backwards across the infield of, you know, 180 miles an hour. And I was so bummed. I'm like, man, I was following Tony Stewart. He got away, um, which Tony does because, well, it's Tony Stewart. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, man, we had a really good chance to, to have my best finish. And now here we are, another crash, another crash vehicle. My dad goes, man, I would give my left nut literally to be able to go in a car at 180 miles an hour at Daytona and spin through the infield. He's like, how was that? Was that so cool? And you get so caught up in winning and it gets so like worrying about that a tenth of a second, or that half a tenth of a second um, that you forget why you did it to start with. And I think that moment right there, my dad kind of said, you know, kind of put that back into perspective. I said, well, you know what, let me do what I know how to do and then I can get some sponsorship and let's just go have fun and bring other people that want to have fun. And if we're passionate about this, building tracks that have never been done that are challenging to the drivers and challenging to the manufacturers and the cars, I'm like, we're going to have a sport that really takes off. And that's why we started Nitro Cross. Travis Pastrana joining us here in the Freak Nation, Lucas Oil Studios, 23 years of doing Speed Freaks and Travis Pastrana Every now and then comes and he's a part of that. Travis, when Lindsay came into your life, was there an agreement between you two or did, <laughs> she, did she say, I know what I'm getting into? I hope she did. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, my, my wife is amazing. She's a two-time world champion, three-time X Games gold medalist. Um, it was good having someone that that understood passion um, in, in a way that, you know, you're, you're not home a lot. If someone, one of your sponsors calls during Christmas Eve dinner and says, Hey, we need you here tomorrow. You're there. And it's about building relationships. Um, and there's no holidays. There's no weekends. There's, there's no off days. Um, but it's the greatest life in the world. And to have someone that, that understood that and lived that life and, um, you know, just supported almost everything that I've done except for base jumping, uh, which uh, well now you know you got to draw the line somewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, so no wingsuiting, no base jumping. Other than that, uh, Lindsay's <laughs> along for the ride, and uh, she's not only a, a phenomenal uh, athlete, but she's also adapted to be such an amazing mom and someone that enjoys that as much as she does anything else. Um, she went to qualify for the Olympics, or not? Well, she wanted to see if that was something she wanted to do, so she came back after you know three years off um of nitro and skating to you know just to try again as they announced that skateboarding was going to be the olympics for 2020 and uh she came back and she won the world championship that year and she was on the podium uh sitting there in spain after you know putting six months pretty dedicated to to focusing on her and her skating and i took a step back 
uh, from racing and, and everything else for a little bit of time and told her like, look, do what you got to do. I'll the stay at home dad really at that point. And uh, she says she was crying and it wasn't because she won. She was crying because that six months she lost more, what she thought was valuable time Whoa. with the kids and the kids development. And she would have rather been home with the kids than to have been up there on that podium. And, you know, for all of, for someone like me or someone like even her mom or, or all her friends are like, why would you not go for the Olympics? She's like, because for me, being a mom is more important. And I was so fortunate that I found someone that is that passion, that caring, and that great of a, of a wife and a mom that I can continue living my dream. Buddy, much love from uh, 118 degrees here in Phoenix with uh, probably, what, 75 degrees in Maryland right now? Yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's nicer, than, nicer than Phoenix at the moment. <laughs> Buddy, uh, go make it a great day. Good luck to you and your wonderful family partner. Well, thank you guys for the time. Talk to you soon. You got to love you some Travis Pastrana here in the Freak Nation.